Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Fifth grade Lauren was an interesting kid. Anybody else feel a little awkward in fifth grade? For me, it was fifth grade. It was the pinnacle of the awkward years. You know, my mom has an album somewhere in her home of all of those school pictures for all of the years, and it's like, ah, oh, cute kid, cute kid, cute kid. Whoa. Um, eh, eh, okay, okay, here we go again, right? Fifth grade was a hard year for me. Um, it was a hard year in particular because as a, as a young child, I wasn't very extroverted. I didn't come into my extroversion in, until much later in my development. As a young child, my safety net truly was my family. My mom and dad, my sister Jenny, that, that was where I felt most like myself. And so with peers in the neighborhood or other kids on the street, I, I sort of was timid. I was shy. And in fifth grade, I noticed something was changing for all of my friends, all of my peers, rather. They started to form friend groups. It was about fifth grade that that happened. Prior to that, we saw kids at school, and I saw kids in the neighborhood, but, but really, the most important force in my life was my own family, and it was the families of you know, Chris across the street and Zach down the road. It was the family unit. But in about fifth grade, all of our little minds started to form friend groups and, and cliques. And all the differences started to show up, right, for us young people. And I remember feeling like I didn't belong. There, there really wasn't one of those friend groups that I gravitated toward. There, there wasn't one that that was really my home yet. And so I felt like I was wandering a little bit. But there was one group in particular that I thought was really cool, that I really wanted to be a part of. And I'm a little bit ashamed to admit it, but here it goes. It was the skater kids. Yeah, that's right. The ones who, you know, skateboarded all the time. I thought they were so cool. They've got these skateboards, and they can do tricks, and, and, and they, they wear a little bit baggier jeans at the time. I was still wearing Wranglers that my dad bought me and my cowboy boots, and, and, and I wanted to be a skater kid. But you can't skate in cowboy boots. It just doesn't work. And I tried. There was one kid on my street named Todd, and he was the ringleader of the skater pack, right? Now, these are little kids. I don't want you to think these, you know super grungy high school, dark and moody skaters, right? These are fifth graders, but they're the skater cool kids. Tony Hawk was a celebrity at the time, a famous skater. Uh, Tony Hawk skating was the video game everybody wanted to play. Skating was really popular. I mean, those kids drank surge energy drinks, and they were skating all day long. It was just the coolest group you could be a part of. 
And I tried to break into their friend group. I tried and I tried. I would go outside when the skaters were out and I would bring my rollerblades and I would like rollerblade when they were, they were like, no, Lauren, no, you don't have a skateboard, right? I learned pretty quickly that in order to break into to the skating group, you had to believe what they believed. You, you really had to kind of believe what they believed. And, and in order to, to show that, you had to kind of talk how they talked. You, you had to know the lingo, right, of what an ollie was and a flip kick and, and all of these tricks. They, they seemed to know the names of them and and they knew the names of professional skaters. And they wore certain brands of clothing already in fifth grade. And you didn't just have to believe what they believed. Like skating was a sport that was equal to football. Right? You had to believe that. You also had to behave how they behaved. You had to know how to skate. And so the summer between fifth and sixth grade... I begged my parents for a skateboard, and I got one, and in my driveway, I would practice, right? I got to learn how to skate on this thing, and after a number of skinned knees and skinned elbows, I finally felt confident enough. I finally had my baggier jeans and a Tony Hawk t-shirt, and I had my skateboard in hand. I even grew my hair out a little bit longer because the skater kids at that time, they had like hair that kind of flicked out on the sides, right? Jimmy, I'm looking at you. You probably had that too, right? It, it, we're contemporaries here. And I looked the part. I had the lingo down. I could behave how they could behave. And guess what happened? All of a sudden, I was a skater kid because I believed what they believed and I could behave how they could behave, I finally belonged. I finally belonged. And that was cool for about two weeks until I realized I don't really like skating. <laughs> I just wanted friends. I just wanted to belong. Now, we can laugh at that formula, but sadly, tragically, that is so often the formula at play in our world. You can belong in this community if you believe what we believe, if you behave how we behave, then you'll belong. Then you'll belong. What kind of message does that send, not just to children, but to adults, if that is how we construct and build a culture around community. You know, the same formula was at play when I came home from the war in Iraq and I had this newfound faith bubbling up in my life, faith in Jesus as my savior. And I knew at the time I needed a community to find. I needed a community to, to journey in faith and to grow in faith. And so I visited all of the campus ministries at Ohio State, 32 Christian campus ministries then. Real life, new life, young life, the Baptists, the Catholics, the Episcopals, I went to almost all of them. And initially, people were happy that a new student was there, but pretty soon, I started to pick up on their litmus test. Each one of these communities was trying to figure out, do you believe what we believe? Or do you believe what they believe? 
Do you behave how we behave or do you not? And if you don't do those two things, well, then you really don't belong in this community. This is antithetical to how Jesus actually did ministry. Jesus reverses the order. Jesus, in his ministry, always begins with belonging. Always. Jesus says, you belong. And because you belong, because you are a child of God, because I see human worth and dignity in you, because it comes from your creator, because you belong, then journey with me, walk with me, and work out your belief. Figure out what you believe. And as you wrestle with what you believe, then behave accordingly. But it's always belong, believe, behave. It's never believe, behave, belong. And if we need any proof of that, we just have to look at the Gospels. We just have to look at the stories of the examples, even in how Jesus called his own disciples, those original disciples. He doesn't go to them and and give them a litmus test if they believe that he's the Son of God, the, the Anointed One, the Christ, the Messiah. He doesn't school them or score them in their understanding of the Torah, the law of Moses. He, he doesn't even want to know exactly how they're going to behave before he says, come and follow me. You belong. It's years into that following that Peter declares Jesus is Lord. Years into the following that Peter says, you are the anointed one. You are the Messiah. Peter could only get there because Jesus created a culture in which Peter belonged. If Peter was always worried about whether he belonged with Christ, I doubt he would ever be able to declare that he was Lord. And this is the formula Jesus took throughout all of his ministry. When he would encounter people, he would always greet them with belonging. He would see the dignity and the worth in the person. And because of that, faith, faith grew. It grew and it blossomed for people. And today in Luke chapter 8, Jesus is actually traveling on the whole other side of the lake. And he's getting out into Gentile territory in the land of the Gerasenes. He's far away from his home base and ministry. And up until this point in Luke's gospel, Jesus had been forming a community on the other side of the lake. And on the other side of the lake, people were excited about what Jesus was doing. People were bringing out their sick and their infirmed, those who needed healing to Jesus. They wanted Jesus to stay there, to multiply his impact and his reach. But Jesus understood that a part of his mission was to go from town to town, village to village, to let more people know that they belonged, that God sees the dignity and the worth in their life. And as Jesus gets out onto the boat, he hears the cries of a man who is being tormented by demons. This man throughout his life, had been shackled and kept under guard by those in the city. It's safe to say that this man's own community 
didn't know how to deal with him, didn't know how to deal with his possession, didn't know how to deal with his otherness. It's safe to say that this man didn't belong even in his own town. And who is the man that Jesus goes to but that man who has broken out of those shackles and has run away from the community to retreat alone by himself amid the tombstones? And what does Jesus do with this man? He wants to know his name. Who are you? Who are you? The man replies, or rather the demons reply, we are legion, for we are many. Jesus drives those demons out. And what happens next is the man is seated at the feet of Christ, well, clothed, and in his right mind. And news begins to spread back to that town and back to that community where the man never belonged that this man was now restored. People come out to see it. And instead of being excited, instead of celebrating this man, we're told that they're filled with fear. They want Jesus to leave. This is heartbreaking. The one who has been held captive his whole life is now free, but he's not welcome. What could be more heartbreaking to be free but to not be welcomed? The reality is, in our world, there are many people who don't feel welcome. There are people in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our homes, in our lives, around the world who don't truly feel as though they belong, even though Christ has set them free. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for all have been justified. All have been set free through Christ. But do we live as if it's true? Do we truly live as if it's true? Now here's another really interesting note about this story. Many scholars also believe that what's being told here through Luke's gospel is actually a hidden reference to the occupying Roman force, right? Jesus did ministry under the thumb of the Roman Empire. If there was ever a society that was divided, this was it, right? We talk about how we live in a divided world, and we do. We, we're, we're aware, right? Ideological differences, political differences, social differences. This doesn't compare to an occupied country, an occupying force. Talk about real enemies. The man responds, legion. Many scholars believe representing 6,000 soldiers of the occupying Roman force. Many scholars have made note of this. What's interesting here is Jesus drives out the occupying force out of the man. They go over the hillside and they're drowned. Reference to baptismal language. The occupying force is now drowned. 
the one who occupied is now sitting at the feet of Jesus, no longer occupying anyone or anything. Could this story also be Luke's way of foreshadowing the type of community that Jesus wanted to build in the world, where there's no longer occupier and occupied, but where all sit at the feet of Jesus. And yet, the people who were occupied by the Roman force, they don't want anything to do with it when the oppressor has now been set freed from their oppressive ways. They will always think of them as the oppressor. Jesus is trying to level the playing field and show the world that all truly means all. There is no longer slave or free, Jew or Greek. All means all. As we move into the future here at Prince of Peace, we're excited about the vision work that we've done with our long-range planning. And a part of that vision work, it creates some intentional, it's an intentional opportunity for us as a community to think about what kind of culture are we building here. You see, I, I really do believe that we all are cultural architects, so to speak. We help build and shape culture through our shared beliefs, our shared behaviors, of course, but it has to begin with our shared understanding of who belongs. That's how we shape culture. Culture is the summation of our actions and our ideals, but it's also the home to our values. What do we truly value? And a part of our vision um, work was establishing three phrases that are not new to our community. They've actually been a part of our teaching, our preaching for many years, but we've put this together to say we really want to shape our community around these three pillars. We want to build a community where all means all. All means all. Jew or Greek, slave or free, Republican or Democrat, independent or Green Party, it doesn't matter, right? All means all. We are all welcome. We are all welcome to sit at the feet of Jesus, to journey with him, to learn, to grow. We also want to build a community where generosity is contagious and where love and life win. All means all. Generosity is contagious. Love and life win. So for the next nine weeks, this summer, we're going to be going through each of these phrases, three weeks for each one of them. Three weeks for all means all. What do we mean by this? Where value and worth is extended to every human life. Three weeks focusing on how God's generosity is contagious in our lives. We want to then be more loving, more forgiving, more gracious, more generous. And three weeks focusing on our belief that love and life win, the resurrection power to change the world is all we need. So this is an invitation to journey together this summer, to focus on our true values, but we begin that journey with the clear understanding that we and all 
belong. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.